The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Then the Judeans began to complain about him, because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They were saying, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, do not complain among yourselves. No one can come to me unless drawn by the Father who sent me, and I will raise that person up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father, except the one who is from God. He has seen the Father. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, Whoever eats of this bread will live forever, the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Gospel of the Lord. Burl was good Kansan farming stock. Solidly built, tough as old boot leather, and a wonderful church organist. As I was growing up in St. Anne's McPherson, Kansas, she would lead the children in singing songs. And finally, she insisted with my dad, who was vicar of the little parish, that she would go and take lessons to improve her playing. Eventually, we ended up getting a little pipe organ for the church. Burl was always there, as sure as the sun would rise every Sunday morning, ready to play the organ. She raised three kids. Her husband ran a tool selling shops, Snap-on Tools. You remember Snap-on Tools, some of you? And she was just quintessential Kansas, practical, a little bit conservative, but, you know, not rigid. And she had lots of wisdom to share, one of which really came to mind this week. She would teach us kids you cannot expect to get up every morning and be ahead of where you were the day before. 
Now, is that a teaching for our age or what? Right? Especially in these days where it seems like two steps forward, one step back, or really one step forward, two steps back some days. Doesn't matter whether where we are on the political spectrum, we all have this attitude that somehow tomorrow will be better than today. Well, that's not always the case, is it? The market does not always go up. Incidentally, the corollary to that is the market doesn't always go down either. Things do not go in straight lines. Verl was filled with tidbits of wisdom like that, but I am reminded of her this day, may she rest in peace, as these teachings come home to haunt, but also to get us to buck up our spirits a little bit. To give us, as we hear from that ancient story about Elijah, a little bit of food, sustenance for the journey. Elijah has just come from one of the great climaxes of his cycle of stories. He has defeated the prophets of Baal, and just to underscore it, he actually himself slays them after a contest of whose God is bigger. It's in the Bible, and that means Yahweh won, right? You remember that? But now Ahab, the king, has gone back to his wife Jezebel, who has brought all the bowels with her, because that's, that's her home gods. And she declares to Elijah that she will bring her wrath upon him, and his days are numbered, and so he flees into the wilderness, and he finally reaches a point today, whether it's frustration, whether he's exhausted, or whether he's doing an old good Yiddish kvetch. Enough already. Enough. I am no better than my ancestors, that is, the prophets who came before me, so it is enough now, God. You can take my life. I'm done. Through. Kaput. And he falls asleep underneath the broom tree. And he is woken by an angel who has brought food who exhorts him, eat, or the journey will be too much for you. Get up and eat, or you will not make it. He eats, he falls asleep again. The angel seems to tap him awake again and says, eat again. Get up, eat, or the journey will be too much for you. Elijah, in this story, is recapitulating the path of the ancient Israelites as they emerged from bondage in Egypt and wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. There's that magic number again, 40. And they end up at Mount Sinai. Well, Mount Horeb, in today's story, is another name for Mount Sinai, the Mount of God, where I'm sure you all remember, is where the law was delivered. To Moses. This is Elijah taking that ancient path and learning to recognize that he is sustained on that journey not by his own strength or his own mettle, 
let alone his own skill, but by food that is delivered by God. And this story will reach another climax when he is on Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai. And if you remember, there is a great whirlwind. What does it say? God was not in the whirlwind. There is a great earthquake. This is good news for us. God is not in the earthquake, right? And there is a great fire, and God is not in the fire. God comes and speaks to Elijah after the sound of sheer silence in the quietude on the mountain, where Elijah has, albeit quite reluctantly and with a lot of kvetching, has shown up. (laughs) And God will say to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? (laughs) Well, thanks. I've been doing this for 40 days and 40 nights. Here I am, and you're asking me, why am I here? God sends him back to his mission and ministry. There is more work to be done. It is enough now. Take my life from me. In these days of frustration, and it seems backsliding for us in our common life, we're also meeting this in our personal lives, right? I had a number of experiences just this past week that were like that. I was coming back from the convocation of the Brotherhood of St. Gregory, and I get off the plane in Chicago, and I discovered my connecting flight to San Francisco has been canceled. Nothing left for the day. What are you going to do? No instructions, no explanation even for why the flight was canceled. I can go and stand in line for an hour and a half and argue with customer service. Instead, I ended up in the bowels of O'Hare rescuing my baggage and sort of figuring things out one moment after another. Ended up in a Super 8 motel in, well, um, the armpit of O'Hare. overnighting, kvetching to my wife. Appropriately, she kvetched back. I deserved it. Then, finally, I caught a flight the next day. There was a lot of grace that went into that. I'll tell you another story over coffee another time. And I get home, and I wake up Tuesday morning, and it turns out one of the brothers I was with has contracted COVID. So I spent the next few days living like Harry Potter, you know, in the attic. Not exactly under the stairs, but certainly sequestered off to the side. No Dudley tromping down the stairs. But it's been one of those weeks. One step forward, two steps back. My test came back negative, by the way, just to be clear. So did everyone else's. But that's the kind of life we live right now. When are we going to get there? God says, get up and eat, or the journey will be too much for you. One of the brothers is a nurse serving 
in the suburbs of Chicago, and he wrote to us early in the week after he got his negative test back and said, the census count and intakes for COVID cases are going up day by day. Again. Anyone in the medical profession knows, here we go again. One step forward, two steps back. But Joey reminded us of a story that's deeply connected with our tradition in the Brotherhood, and that is the story of Gregory the Great. Gregory had been abbot for many years of his little monastic community, and he was content to be abbot until the end of his days. But he was in his late 60s or early 70s when he was called out of that. Why? Because the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, had succumbed to a plague that was ravaging the city at the time. Gregory was called to be his successor. And so the story is that he led a grand procession saying prayers and litanies to ask for the plague to end. And the story is he looked up at the top of Castle uh, Sant'Angelo and he had a vision of St. Michael the Archangel sheathing his sword. And the plague ended that day. And in fact, to this day now, there is a statue on top of Castle Sant'Angelo with Michael sheathing his sword, recounting that vision. Gregory had inherited a mess, incidentally. The empire had moved east. The emperor was living in Constantinople, and they were all doing fine, thank you very much. And Rome could just continue to decay as far as he was concerned. The Longobards had been coming down from the north and sacking and pillaging Rome. Each time they would come through, things would get worse. The people were hungry. The people were sick. The people were tired. It is enough now, O oh God. Let me just lay down here and die. But Gregory opened up the lands of the church and the granaries over and against what he was being told by the folks to the east. He made peace with the Lombards and he fed the people and got Rome back on its feet. And then he started launching missions to strange places like a little island nation to the west, he sent the mission to Canterbury. He unified the liturgy of Northern Europe. He rolled up his sleeves and got to work. And by the end of his days, as late as it was in his life, when he died, he was made a saint by popular acclamation. Gregory was very practically minded but he was also very faithful, and he understood the deep truths of his Savior when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Those who come to me will never be hungry. Those who come to me will never be thirsty. It's a strange teaching, is it not? Particularly in hard times, when it is one step forward and two steps back, 
but this is what we remember every time we approach and receive the bread of life and are reminded that Jesus is with us and the angel of God is saying, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. Sometimes it helps to notice what is missing in the story. What is missing in the story are not words that it will be okay from here on out, Elijah. You're going to be fine. You can eat this meal and you'll never be hungry again. No, that's not the promise. Or this will be enough food for beyond the 40 days and 40 nights, whatever period of time. No, that's not the promise either. Or things are going to get easier from now on. That is certainly not the promise. It's not true for Elijah. And any of you who've lived on this world for longer than a few years knows that that's not the promise for this life either. Remember what Verl taught. You can't expect to get up tomorrow ahead of where you were today. All the time, at least. No, the promise is we are given the bread for the journey for today. That's why Jesus teaches us to pray for our daily bread. It is enough. And in fact, we do that day after day to move forward and we suddenly discover that it is more than enough and there's something left over to share. Do you remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000? These are the lessons we are getting right now in the midst of the backsliding and the pandemic and the uncertainty in front of us. The angel of God is here reminding us. Christ is here reminding us. Get up and eat so that you have the strength for the journey in front of you even if it is only enough for today. That is the promise of our beloved God. As crazy as it may seem for the rest of the world, because you can't take this bread and tuck it away into a retirement account, you can't take this bread and invest it in the markets, you can't take this bread and say it will be enough forever, although there's a subtle promise in there, isn't there, where Jesus teaches it's enough for today. And that is enough and more than enough for us. And in fact, if we live deeply into that sacramental wisdom of our tradition, we discover it is more than enough for us to share today out of our abundance with those who are in need of the wider world. It enables us to serve. It's what nourishes Joey and many medical professionals right now as they face the hard truth of the rising census counts and intakes as we move through another surge. Taking it day by day means offering ourselves up and allowing God to offer us 
what is needed to sustain us for today. So get up and eat so that the journey may not be too much for you. But more than that, so that you may be a resource for those who are in need around you. A resource of hope, a resource of renewal, and angels even, of eternal life. for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.